Welcome once again to the Theology of Plain Men podcast. Uh, this is Michael speaking. I am joined today by Brad Gustafson making his return to the podcast realm. Uh, also, Andre Nelson. Yeah, that's that, that's, we call that a debut. You, oh, okay. <laughs> debut. I, thought he, I thought he had done one. Okay. This is his debut. And with this debut, uh, the, the topic for today is we're going to discuss this claim. Christianity has never been, nor ever should be, a movement interested in finding growth through political power. I'm going to say it one more time. Uh, Christianity has never been, nor ever should be, a movement interested in finding growth through political power. And what I mean by discussion is, we're all young men here. We're trying to figure out how to do this podcast thing right. Uh, Radio voices, we're still getting used to. Not being on screen as we do this, we're still getting used to. And we think that uh, overall we've had a little bit too much of a teaching stream with this podcast and, and too much of a kind of a lessons bumping back and forth. And we want to get a little bit more organic and a little bit more of just a discussion format. So pretty much bring you guys into the discussion. And hopefully we're going to have bits and pieces of our stories in each of these podcasts as well. So you can get to know uh, the plain men that we are as well. So um, today we are going to discuss this claim uh, Christianity has never been nor ever should be a movement interested in finding political gro- or finding growth through political power um, who would like to start the discussion off I want to start the discussion okay so here's my issue um, I, I told you guys I was gonna drop a bomb on this podcast and <laughs> I'm gonna do it right now We're going straight to the bomb this okay. is this is my problem. If I'm being totally honest, and maybe it's wrong of me, it probably is, but <laughs> I'm all up in Michael's business right now, taking his microphone, uh, th- I'm producing the podcast, yeah. not even supposed to be here. Uh, I hate this conversation. I'm so done with this conversation. Everyone and their mother is having this conversation, and I'm bored with it, if I'm honest. Amen. like I really am. Like Seriously, everybody, every college movement in the history of ever as soon as it hits the fall, okay, how do uh, Christians act in politics? You know, and, and, you know, do you vote for the holier candidate? I'm, if I'm honest, I'm just so frustrated. I hate it. I really hate the topic, and I'm kind of bummed that we picked it for this week, <laughs> if I'm totally <laughs> honest with you guys. So that was the that was shoved the him <laughs> out of the microphone. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because that was what he said. He said <laughs> before while we were talking about the podcast for night and just the blog in general, it's like I'm gonna drop a big bomb or just drop a deuce for <laughs> any other term because that's kind of what he just did. And I kind of agree with Zach that this is definitely um, a conversation in the realm, but I'm gonna disagree with him on this right here. He just said that everyone's talking about how a Christian should act in politics today. Zach, that's not the claim I wrote. Yeah. The yeah. claim is that Christianity should not so or it. ever should be a a uh, use politics to start growth. We shouldn't try to Christianize the world through politics. And I feel I, I want to take it through a different realm than Zach, something that not how we should act in politics, and we can discuss that as well. But um, our, should we assume... How's this question? Should we assume or put our moral values on a culture that doesn't have our moral backing? And for example, let's do um, let's do homosexuality. For example, can we expect somebody to follow the uh, biblical 
biblical sexual ethic um, and try to push our biblical sexual ethic through law. What do you guys think about that question? Because that's kind of what I'm saying is, are we pushing our Christian moral ethic onto people who have no basis to follow that moral ethic? If I don't believe in the gospel, as the Bible says, man is full of wrath. There's nothing in me that is good apart from a work of the Holy Spirit. Everything about me is evil and bad. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit within us, excuse me, or we go after somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit within them, how can we expect them to want to follow the moral ethic of the Bible? Does that make sense? Do they have to want to is my question. So what I'm getting at here, let me just paint a little bit more context. I think there's definitely a line to walk uh, as with most things in life, the pitfall to the left, pitfall to the right. I've heard Zach call out many times in the past. If the Christian worldview is objectively the correct worldview, as in all morals in scripture, all godly morals are true, then by default, they are the best law for any land. They are what bring fruit. They are what bring holiness. They are what bring goodness. And should we not advocate for those to be the laws of the land? On the flip, we talked about <laughs> we talked about the pit on both sides here. I don't know that behavioral modification is our goal. Just to purely get those around us to do, quote unquote, the right thing. And that if we get them to do the right thing for the wrong reason... I don't know that that's always going to produce the best result. Yeah, and you know, I'll get I'll get fired up about it, but if I'm honest, you know, I have to totally agree with you because if if I'm going to say that passing laws is how I want to um, you know, promote Christian or not promote Christianity, but you know, spread the kingdom, um, what I'm saying is the way I want to spread the kingdom is to get people to start ethically doing what I call good deeds or acting a certain way. And that's how I want them to be Christians. And that's not really how the gospel works. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I do wholeheartedly agree that that's not how Christianity should spread. So despite my bitterness towards having this conversation in general, you know, I, I think I'm with you on the prompt here. Yeah. And then I think another part of it is just, you don't, and this may be just a reiteration of something that's been said, but you don't encourage good works by outlawing bad works. Is that true? Like we outlaw bad things, ill deeds, but maybe it's in the gray areas where we debate it. I don't know where's the line. Yeah, where's the line? Maybe that's what we're that's what the whole debate is about, is where's the line? And that's where everybody's different worldviews come up against each other. Yeah. So time for my bomb on the conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I think we get this completely wrong. Um, <clears throat> so this is my indictment on the Christian church. We spend so much time worrying about what's going on in the political sphere and so much time trying to change the political sphere for our benefit that what is the Christian's main purpose? Well, it's to follow God and to teach others about God. It's to share the gospel because we are his ambassadors here on earth. That's Second Corinthians 5, um, 20. And, and my claim is going to be this, is, is we've completely missed the point. 
we should just be sharing the gospel. If we look at the example of the early church, is Paul didn't get up there and he didn't go to King Agrippa. He didn't go to Nero and say, <clears throat> I demand that you put senators in the Roman Senate that are Christian. And he didn't do that. Why? Because it didn't matter to him. What mattered to him was saving people from their sin and, and following Christ. So in any political sphere, Christianity should flir- flourish regardless of the politics of that day mm-hmm. and regardless of the political society that it's in. Um, and it shouldn't be tied to politics at all. And I, I've got some things to back that up, but I see Brad shaking his head, so I want to hear from him. I don't love where you're going with it. Uh, not that I disagree entirely, but if we're going to be ambassadors of reconciliation, if really we are here to advocate for righteousness wherever possible, I think part of that is casting a vote in supporting the opportunity for the more righteous law to be instituted across our land. And if we want to get into more hotly debated topics, and I don't want to dive down this bunny trail here, but something like abortion that people feel very strongly about, I think it would be... I don't have a well-formulated thought or opinion on this yet. I think there's an opportunity there to be an advocate for righteousness and reconciliation of God's design for human beings for a Christ follower to take a stand on that topic. And I think the political realm is one place for them to have that platform. That's well said. That's well said. So you're right, and I'm I'm wrong partly, but I want to add what you said as an addendum to what I said. I still think our main focus is to share the gospel. And now you took a very practical approach about what to do about politics, though. How do you be a Christian in politics? And I agree with you. You are consistent with your worldview, and you have to show consistency to that. And what the Bible teaches us is a moral ethic. And we should vote in this American culture. We should absolutely vote for the most righteous law. And we should vote to be an advocate for those who are uh, oppressed or or wherever you find whatever law you want to vote for. So I, I agree with you, Brad. Um, that's more putting legs on it in a day-to-day. And I'm just talking about an overall vision sense is our vision should not be that we're going to make America a Christian nation through laws. We're not. We're going to make, because, and I'm going to let Zach touch on this because he talked about earlier on, is our problem is not solving, we're not going to fix America through laws because we're not diagnosing the problem correctly. And I'm going to let Zach or Andre talk about what the problem is. I think the problem has to be one of fundamental human brokenness, which in the Christian sense we understand to be that being that to be the problem of sin, to be the just the bent that we have towards selfishness and towards um, yeah, I could just rephrase selfishness in a hundred different ways, putting ourselves before um other people putting the people that were like preferring the people that we're close to that we have a bias for um and so i think that there have been countless political maneuverings and attempts to resolve that problem over and over and over again um but at the end of the day we're dealing with a population of broken sinful people um some of whom acknowledge that and some of whom don't. That is less, well, that might be a point of conversation, but I think that's less relevant whether or not you acknowledge you're sinful. We're all going to be sinful. We're all human. 
until we're not human anymore. And so I think that that's part of the, the big issue when people look to government as a salvific, is that the word, as a place to get saved, you know, and to see as a resolution, yeah. a, a solution to all the issues that we face. Yeah, and and you did, you really hit on it because if it depends, you have to look at what you think the problem is. Um, and if you've listened to me talk before on TPM, this is something I think I've said a lot. Um, a, a proper doctrine of sin leads to a proper doctrine of a lot of other things. And something Michael told me a long time ago is I think if you look back at some of the most major uh, heresies that we've seen throughout Christian history, a lot of them have spawned from a severe lack of sin doctrine. Um, and a lot of times that boils down to is my sin isn't the problem. The problem is that our government isn't doing this and our government's not doing this. Um, if we're not willing to think that or willing to see that sin is really the problem we have, then logically you're not going to look to the gospel to be the solution. You're going to look to other things to be the solution. You're going to say, my government is the solution to this problem that's in America. Uh, like if you're looking at injustices that happen, uh, the sex trade, um, you know, uh, work, um, labor slavery all across the world. If, if you look to government to be the ultimate solution, the thing that fixes all unrighteousness, you're going to be severely let down. Or if you look to people. I mean, government yeah, is people. a proxy for people right there. Yeah. You know, like if you think that sin can be resolved by humans doing things, humans regulating and putting in rules and putting, you know, fences around things to prevent other humans from doing the sinful things, it's it's you know it's the dog running around chasing his tail over and over and over and over again it, that's i think that's a huge disconnect that comes into this is that you know as christians we believe that jesus is the answer to sin but you know but th- i guess that's difficult because that's at like a s- deep spiritual like eternal level like that doesn't address the fact that people are still going to be sinful like that's what the whole grace thing is about but but what you're what so you're it's not saying, like that's an answer it, that's it, not like an answer to the fact that no, no, sin no. happens and people suffer problem. from it this is my problem though because exactly what you're doing right now is why i hate this conversation <laughs> because we're all going to sit here and acknowledge that government can't fix anything and that like at the end of the day it's not the ultimate salvation and we know that christ is the ultimate salvific thing that fixes all of our problems but we're not willing to just really holistically and practically shift our emphasis and what we really really care about to just be the gospel because that's not the fun comfortable answer we keep looking back to say okay well now politically what can i do when the answer is well politically isn't going to fix anything but we keep going back to that well to drink this salty water that doesn't actually satisfy and that's that's what my problem is is we're going to sit here and say well you know jesus being the answer isn't really practical and it went and that's what frustrates me because really i do think the answer is there and if you look at the early church michael you can talk about this a little more or maybe Brad, i need to just get off a microphone and stop talking but that that's where i'm most frustrated with this whole conversation but i think part of the reason that that ar- arises is because you know we have to have opinion about something you know it's out there it's such a big thing and so i think that's why it demands such a big slice of our attention and our concern and I think it's also very tempting. I think it's a huge temptation to turn to political power as a as an avenue to see these things realized. No, no? I, I, <laughs> oh my gosh, 
Man down. Brad, Zach is the one that chides us the whole all the time about making our mics in the perfect place, and he just absolutely I threw, it down. threw it down. Yeah, that's not what a mic drop is, Zach. That wasn't the moment. I I kind of like this podcast right now. It's a lot less organized. So let me bring my silky. What Brad was about to say? <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let, go ahead, right, Brad. Go forget it. Hit it. All right, um, Andre, you're right, but are Christians supposed to be like the rest of culture or not? And now I'll exit the conversation. Well, and then more or less lays <laughs> no. into what I was going to say here. So I don't disagree with much, if anything, that Zach and Andre were just saying. However, I want to throw in, if we walk up, if I walk up to my coworker tomorrow and say, hey, let's talk about your brokenness. <laughs> Better yet, let's just talk about Jesus. Let's go back to Sunday school. They're going to walk away. They might laugh a little bit. A few of them are Catholic. They'll... Give me a look, and they'll move on. I'm not saying about Catholics. I'm saying about these specific coworkers. My, my, <laughs> my point being, I think politics is an easy in to relate to our community and to have a gospel-centered conversation. Yeah, but it's not gospel-centered. How do you? Is it? It's politically centered. I think that's what it is because that's where they're approaching it from. I think you have to. Okay, I think it can be gospel centered, which is what you're probably going to say. And that's exactly. And it's totally on our. That's totally on our buck to make it a gospel centered conversation. It's it's maybe even harder than having just like an initiative based gospel conversation because you have to wrest it away from politics, which people are so ingrained in having that conversation. So that's. I think as soon as you ask about politics, people will share how they really feel. Yeah. They'll show sides of the real them. Yeah. What are their beliefs? That, that and there is not an easier way for me to get to somebody's core beliefs mm. than to start up a conversation about politics yeah. and then take a left turn with it. Yeah, but Brad, the old saying is Jesus plus politics equals politics in a conversation. So How old is that saying? <coughs> at least 15 or 20 seconds. <laughs> at at, at least... <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I don't just pull these things out of my butt. I want you guys <laughs> to recognize that. Second of all, this was during a conversation at Big Break. Big Break is a conference uh, that crew does down in, uh, used to be Panama City Beach, I don't know where they're anymore, but where you go and share the gospel on the beach. And one of the one of the training lessons was about the Knowing God Personally booklet, which is one of the tools that crew Campus Crusade uses for sharing the gospel. It's just a simple booklet, four points of the gospel. And one thing the trainer said is, as you're having these conversations, don't go into politics because Jesus plus politics equals politics. So that is the context for my quote. And that's why I think you can do that, Brad. And I think you can do it effectively. I agree that it, it shares somebody's worldview very carefully. But I would almost think you need to have a second conversation with them. First, you talk about politics and get to know them. Second, you talk about an issue within the politics. Let's talk about like... Uh, healthcare, how people are broken and sick. And the problem is why is everyone broken and sick when our technology is so good? Why are we having the highest suicide rates of all time? And I think right there you take your turn, but you have to be pretty savvy. And I, I think that's maybe a helpful point for all of our listeners out there is what we're talking about here isn't easy. And it might be uh, a benefit of um, just learning and, and going through that process of, do we fall into the temptation of going, okay, I'm going to talk about politics here because I want to bring in the gospel. Are we actively thinking about that? Or are we just, you know, talking about politics to get our, you know, temptation, gossip, whatever in for the day? So that's my challenge to all of us here and also to the listeners. So, so I want to play off of that real quick. I want to say I, I see eye to eye with you. That was in response to what I said initially. 
And I agree with everything you just said. And that walking up to somebody on a beach, maybe not a great in. As I go back to conversations about my coworkers, and I have maybe a relational equity there, uh, it's an opportunity to cash in a little bit and to dig a little bit deeper. On the flip of that, I think it's very easy and kind of retracting what I've said previously. It's easy to let politics be a significant barrier to your ministry. And what I mean by that is it's easy to start dehumanizing the quote unquote opponent. As soon as you take a stance on something, uh, those on the other side of the fence may start to close their ears or look at you as simply part of that crowd and just being aware of that as you enter into these time conversations. Yeah. That's an observation I've had is there is no other conversation where even Christians are more okay with slander, gossip, and talking down on someone's character than talking politically. Um, I mean, we don't like, even like non-Christians generally like look down on personally attacking people uh, when you don't really know them. Um, and it seems like we're all really okay with that when it comes to politics. Um, and that can be super tempting and that's like a, a bad thing. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't seek after slander and gossip and, you know, talking down to someone's character on the basis of what we see in a political sphere. You know, I don't think that's fair, um, but we're oddly okay with it. But we don't have to be odd. I mean, you know, like, like that's a choice that we can make. And, and a way that we can be particularly different is navigating that conversation in a way that does not bow to right. deep tribalism yeah. and deep, you know. Well, and that's something that I think is very that's something it, that's very that. tactful. You know, if we're going back to right. talking about tact and right. you know, you know, having some a little bit of uh, wisdom in how we go through yeah. these conversations, Deference. I think that's that's yeah. a, that's a really good way that Christians can demonstrate we're different is. Right. Don't be the person who's who's gonna go into and, slander yeah. and and going and maybe after show character. how a political conversation doesn't need to be political, you know, like okay, how you're it, gonna have to how it can like boil down to an that. issue, and to the the true, um, the bones of that issue that matter to that matter to God, and to clarify some of the things that may be true of a particular issue. You know, without necessarily being an expert on it, and maybe while that is true, you may may in fact need to do a bit of research. But to to show that it doesn't it doesn't need to be about being on one side or or another. It can more be about valuing the right things, valuing truth, valuing people. Mm. Yeah, I think that's another way that you can kind of devolve the political conversation in a way that honors the gospel and and presents the gospel in many ways yeah andrea yeah. um i think this is difficult because we just hit on it was this idea of politics and our political affiliation is part of somebody's identity so when a political thing is brought up we easily categorize somebody into um into one political party or set of beliefs based on that thing. I think that's maybe where we need to change the perspective again is just recognize politics as an identity problem. It's not a, you know, a preference in ourselves in ourselves in, in, in the conversation, right? Is if we're talking to a Democrat or Republican, knowing that that is something that they hold to 
desperately. And I know there's people who are undecided in the middle, sure. But, you know, if we look at the uh, the majority of who's voting one way or the other, they hold to that and they hold that platform because it's part of who they are. We think of the people with the political signs in their yards and all those things. That's part of who they are. And that's one of the things that we have to, you know, look at and work through is say, guys, you realize that that, that person on the sign is, is not the solution. Let's talk about it. But that person is not the solution at the end of the day. So, um, Brad, did you want to bring something in here? Negatory. So Zach, what is what I mean? Uh, uh, that this triggers just what Zach was like annoyed about before, like Michael saying that per, that person is not the solution. Yeah, yeah, and that person is a proxy for a system. Oh, that might be the solution. Like a lot of people, a lot of people would admit that the person is not the solution, but they would say, "Oh, but the system's the solution." Like, it's, like that's not the perfect person, but like there's the perfect person out there. So like. Which, all I'm saying is this gets me back to what Zach's main gripe about this whole thing is. Like, where does that leave us? You know what I mean? Like, if that, I don't know. Do you think the church today... Are we supposed to just disregard politics altogether? Be completely apolitical? No. No. Well, I don't know. That's what Zach makes me think we should do. It'd be easier. He says (laughs) it'd be easier. So, I I think... Obviously, that's really, like, a big thing to say. So... Let's probably not true. Let's, Zach knows that's right. yeah. let's circle this in and find some balance mm, because circle our mo- wagons, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> most of most of the things in life you're never going to find by going to the fringes. You have to be able to look in the gray and find the balance. And I think that Brad Brad hit <laughs> Brad hit on this earlier. Where my my vision for the church is that we are a gospel sharing church. We are a gospel driven, gospel centered, and most people would agree with that. But are we actually honestly doing that? Are we sharing the gospel first and foremost with every minute of our day? And I don't think any Christian would rightfully say, yes, we are. And that's what I want to bring us back to is the fire and the passion of the early church is that, you know what? I was dead in my sin. I had nothing good about me. Nobody could save me. I can't solve sin or death. Nothing is here. Nothing is good. Everything is meaningless and vain, and there's nothing to go after in life but God. But Jesus was sent to change all that. Have we forgotten the gospel and the political realm? And that's that's the challenge I have here, is we should not be a church that's so motivated by politics and get our way and get our morals, because that's all based off of a checklist of assuming that if we do these moral things, we're going to go to heaven. That's not right. We, we know don't that. Even believe that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's what we're trying to do through politics: is push this checklist on everybody and say that's how you're going to get to heaven. That's how you're going to please God. You're not going to please Him that way. Anything done outside of Christ is filthy rags. Hebrews done. All right. If we are focused on sharing the gospel, if we are focused on on looking at other people in the eye and saying, "Hey, I love you enough to tell you that you're a horrible sinner, and so am I." And guess what? Sin's the problem, and why we have, you know, illegal immigration because somewhere there's poverty and people are coming here because America has wealth. Other places we have abortion because there's unwanted things and there's burdens and there's healthcare issues. And all these things are based on a root problem. And this is where you stream it in with what Brad said earlier. At the same time, we should be holding on to what is good. There's the verse in first Thessalonians, uh, do what is right in the sight of all men. We hold on to the truth. We, we use the American political system to shepherd righteousness as best we can, knowing that's not our main goal to spread the gospel. And our main calling, our main 
brand on our foreheads, the main mission in our minutes of each day is to share the truth that Christ set us free when we were in jail. Sure. So political <coughs> political pursuits is our side hustle. Nice. Yes. No take. When somebody says, because my at first my my counter argument was like, okay, so but then what about if somebody is politically is is advocating in in the political sphere where you have just as much ground as they do, just as much responsibility, intellectual responsibility, social responsibility, whatever. They're advocating for evil. I'm just going to say evil. And and you're there, and you have just as much purchase in that sphere as they do. Don't you have a responsibility to push back against that evil and to to do something in response to that? And I think, but that was my initial thought, and I think as you developed your thought, you made the argument that, yes, you are, and the thing that you do is sharing the gospel. The thing you do is not pushing back politically and adding to the chaos. It is, like, more low-key, boots on the ground, you know, not behind a podium, but rather at your workplace at the grocery store with your neighbors advocating for Christ, like the gospel and righteousness in terms of Jesus's word. Here's what I'm still struggling with a little bit here. Is that, yeah. I, I think all of us around this table, I'm guessing most of our listeners probably agree nearly 100% with everything Michael and Otter just said. Like we're in unison. Much of what's been said is objective truth. Like, yes, let's prioritize Christ. Let's prioritize the gospel above all. It is number one in our list of priorities, and number two isn't even close to it. Now, number two may be family, it may be work, it may be politics, maybe whatever, but it can't be close to number one, which is Christ and him being glorified. But that's all head knowledge. I can repeat that head knowledge today, tomorrow, the next day. I hear this, and I'm like, yes, I will nod to that. I will affirm that. But now what? When I go back to my yeah. coworker tomorrow... Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's where that's where I, I actually disagree a little with what Andre's saying, and that's where I'm not communicating effectively enough. Is is this calling that I'm saying? Because you, somebody could take my argument and say, "Well, Michael is is saying that nobody who's a Christian should be a politician because it's a waste of their time." That's not fully what I'm saying. I don't think he said that. I, I'm I don't saying think he meant I, to say that. Okay. That's yeah. What I heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I what I'm saying is this: the the what I'm asking to do is not low key. It's extremely difficult. Essentially, I'm asking for us to rise above it and change the whole political conversation. It's one at a time. I, I don't think we can see it well because we're so caught up in the murkiness of the politics today. But if, if we honestly look back and say, all those conversations that I've had with my coworkers is, how can I, how can I change this to show them the love of Christ today? And maybe that's not overtly just sharing the gospel and turning it into a, you know, a, a machine that only spits back, oh yeah, but Jesus came to save this all. But actually being like, hey, like, w- why is this relevant in your life? Like, are we doing this to just do this and talk and, and you know, spin the wheels? Or are we like, do you want to solve these things? What do you think the actual problem is? Are we willing to do the work and ask those questions and listen to people well? Or are we just going to say, oh yeah, but what about that? And what about that? And just throw the buzz lines and buzzwords back and forth. And that's what I'm asking us to do. I'm asking you to take a critical approach to this and say, are we really asking the right questions? Are we listening well so that we're getting those opportunities? Or are we just letting the opportunities pass right by us? Because, frankly, a lot of times I just come to work and I'm too tired and I'm too lazy. And I know, oh, there's an opportunity I have to listen to that person well or ask them a question. And I just don't take it. And that's what I'm asking for. Does that make more sense, Brad? 
because there's the practical step and it's hard it's really hard so i don't want to you know sugarcoat it and say everybody's going to do it and way to go but any any thoughts here um as we start to close and, and wrap it up this is a very difficult conversation that's why i liked what zach brought up is what i'm pitching is a close of this discussion it's a close of this discussion because we rise above it in a way and we change the di- discourse it might it might not be on a national platform but as we know change doesn't happen on a national platform it happens person to person neighbor to neighbor and what i'm asking for is those conversations that we have interpersonally can we refocus those and not get distracted by the political and national discourse and, and to get distracted by cable news and all those things but rather really focus in on our person-to-person connections, the people we actually have influence over in our lives, and are we willing to listen to them and rise above it and say, yes, there's pain, there's difficulty, and, and here's what I think is right, and here's why. Can we maintain consistency to our worldview and share Christ because we know he is the ultimate solution to any of these problems? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's difficult, but now yeah. I'm starting to get too long, so go ahead. No, I think that's good. I think it's like an acknowledgement of the political realities and the issues, but what you're describing is a, a thorough blending of, maybe this isn't right either, but <laughs> or maybe this is not what you're saying, but I what I feel like is a, a thorough infusion of the gospel and the values at the foot of, um, at, you know, that lay that are the foundation of the gospel being, uh, you know, infused into the conversation that is maybe triggered by politics. Is that right? And that is a responsibility that we bear as Christians to, to demonstrate the gospel and to do the work of infusing the gospel into these topics to the point that, like I said before, I really like the word devolve, that these conversations devolve back into more fundamental, like what actually matters, like people actually matter. Yep. You know? Yep. I think, yeah, I think you're onto something and I better understand what you were saying before. Yeah. Now, now I think I'm starting to communicate better and I appreciate you working with me on that. So that's the idea I'm trying to communicate exactly as this, this blending and reemphasizing of different things in our whole mentality and our whole mm-hmm. conversation. It's not easy. And there's a ton of listening. I think that's maybe what, yeah. what is going to mark it. Cause I'm just thinking of the ways that this marks, marks, marks people really differently when they take this approach. And I'm imagining that person who is being active, actively carrying out this vision, being like doing a lot of listening and a lot less saying, honestly. The only thing I'm going to push back on at this point is the repetition of saying it's not easy. I don't know that it has to be difficult. And I see a lot of this circling back to what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. If we genuinely love God, our conversation with our neighbors is naturally going to flow in that direction. And you just solved everything that the uh, human race wants to do. I, I agree, Brad. I, it's not hard. And maybe it's 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 simple, but it's not easy. Was that the phrase that we can maybe use here? Is I think it's difficult because not many people are doing it well. Right, or, or we at least don't see it on a national level. I bet if you ask certain people in your church that you think don't do much ministry or aren't very politically active, I bet they might be the most politically active people because they're the ones having those conversations. They're the ones listening well. Sure, and maybe so. my issue is just more semantical. Like when I hear, hey, it's it's not easy. Oh, that means try harder. 
If it's not easy, just do better. Do harder. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And as we know from the Christian walk, it's not about doing better. It's about giving God everything and, and loving him, which is, again, very hard for us to grasp as people because we are so work-oriented. But, Zach, did you want to catch any last words here? Otherwise, we're going to wrap it up for the day. Any last words, anyone? Going once, going twice. All right. Thank you, everyone, uh, for going along with that podcast. It was definitely our most uh, volatile and fiery one. I'm um, talking about Christianity has never been nor ever should be a movement interested in finding growth of political power and trying to talk this political discourse. As you can see, it's a difficult conversation, but we're trying to find a gospel-centered solution that also recognizes um, the whole conversation in the political experience that we're in. Anyway, have a blessed week, and thank you for listening to our uh, verbal processing, and I hope it was for your edification. Have a good one, everyone.